Greetings everyone and welcome to the 123rd edition of Cinema Effect. I'm Zach and I'm joined by the Jude Law to my Ethan Hawke, Fitzy, aka Liam. What? I'm Jude Law? Okay. Hey, <laughs> what's up? <laughs> okay, the logic was, I feel like if you wear glasses, Liam, and they do the weird, like, because Ethan Hawke and Jude Law don't really look that alike, but they do like the thing they do in the film where they compare the photos back and forth and you had glasses on. I feel like it would be this sort of similar amount of me and you, like, oh, yeah, they kind of vaguely look like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Wait, what? Don't okay. you reckon? Yeah, but I'm shorter, so I would have to, I would have to wonder, I'd have to be the, uh, you know, get the, uh, the surgery done on surgery. the legs. Yeah. Dude, that was messed up. Yeah. You know, that's that real, like, that's real, like, yeah. you can, like, if you break your kneecaps, they will add, like, three inches to your height, like, in real life. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh break my God. Me. Can I play some basketball? <laughs> I didn't know that. I was I was gonna ask like, what did they actually do? Because I mean, I understood the gist. They like messed up his legs and made him taller. But like, what are they? What's the procedure actually involve? You know, uh, it's probably just reconstructing your like bones in like a safe way to ensure like there's no fragments anywhere. You're just like, no, no, they kind of have to add a bit of plating and just adds it adds some height. I don't know. Gee. Oh my god! Like inches of metal? Is that just, just in the middle of your leg? Oh, there's probably something like that. Yeah, I don't know. It was nasty, man. I didn't like it. And uh, we've also got um, Jaden. Jaden, do, do you want to pick a cast member that you can be? Or um, I was going to say Uma Thurman. That felt a bit, I don't know. Well, I, I can be the evil brother that struggles with everything. I feel like that's, oh, uh, yeah. I think that's fitting, yeah. Who played him, by the way? Because he sort of looked familiar to me, but I didn't know. I him. looked him up. I think it's the only main, the only notable. Oh, okay. Oh, well, maybe, yeah, maybe I've never seen him. All right, well, you can play the evil brother, Jaden. Good job. Well done. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Cinema Effect, the podcast where we review and talk about a different movie every single Monday. And this week, that movie is Gattaca, which opened in the US on the 24th of October, 1997. It was directed by Andrew Nicole. It is a sci-fi drama. And the synopsis says, a genetically inferior man assumes the identity of a superior one in order to pursue his lifelong dream of space travel. Very good. Jaden, I believe you've seen the film before. What did you think this time? Yeah, this was really, uh, really strong film. I don't know. The first time I watched it, I don't know whether it was because it was at school or something. Uh, I think I might have dismissed it a bit. Um, I still enjoyed it, but, you know, there's, there's, obviously, there's obviously like a tendency just for school films that, you know, a little bit of disdain. Um, yeah, yeah, but this time, like, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's like it's not. It's like simultaneously not groundbreaking, but like still does very well to kind of just like, I don't know, just push things in a in a in a in a, in a, in a very digestible way, you know. Um, mm. I think that like like it's it's so clear watching this film, like just kind of like the um the way that. Nicola developed over time and like he, I, like it's it's like if, if like it's so clear like how this this film went into in time you know like um oh yeah if Gattaca had, so funny if Gattaca had been made 15 minutes 15 years later it would have looked exactly like in time I, I reckon um so I don't know yeah it's cool yeah hmm. um yeah no, I, I liked it you, you watched it at school in what class in ethics religion oh that's right you did say ethics. that a few weeks ago yeah yeah Interesting. That's a cool thing to watch there. I wish I did. Damn. Yeah, I, I thought we all did. I don't know. Yeah. I definitely did not. No, uh, dude, this is my first viewing. This movie rules. Like, I, I didn't know what to expect, and uh, it was a very pleasant surprise. I almost feel like, I don't know, it almost sort of felt like what I wish Minority Report was, um, if that makes sense. I feel like they sort of do different things they're both sort oh, of sci-fi yeah. concepts in a but following a, a protagonist in sort of a suburban environment i don't know um and sort of i mean they're not the same premise at all but in terms of like taking one philosophical idea and like having that be the catalyst for your whole film sort of does that as well um but i don't know man essentially everything in this movie just works for me i thought it was great uh so yeah liam tell us spill the beans gattaca i believe you've seen um, this film a few times yeah, I'm not sure. I think uh, it's a bit of a comfort watch, whatever. Um, but about the in time thing, I didn't know Andrew Nichol directed in time, and there was like a moment in the film because the film is like lit beautifully. I think it's like really like low lighting, and like there's a there's this moment in the film. I think they're in this like long, 
like kind of it kind of looks like um what do you call them like those things in LA like the water basins or whatever like those long you know yeah thing. um yeah. but yeah it reminded me of in time like wow it looks like that but I, I didn't even know that he also directed that which is cool <laughs> yeah. um but yeah I uh yeah I really love Gaika I think it's like incredibly um I think it's an incredibly cool mixture of like different like like fifties, you know, fifties like cars and kind of society and also just like yeah, you know, futuristic um kind of it's not like overly like it's, it's totally subtle. Better than it's, like uh, awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's like the opposite of Blade Runner kind of like when you think of Blade Runner. Uh, like the first yeah. Blade Runner, it's like really, like the tech is kind of everywhere, but and this is kind of, there's actually that much technology. It's just that, uh, it's kind of implanted into the background, I guess. Yeah, which is really cool. Um, but yeah, I think it's a really great story. I think it's like, it's not like an uprising story, which I think is like kind of what you expect, like uprising against the the fascist system, or whatever. It's kind of. It works within the system and kind of shows the achievers' goals in that, which I think is cool as well. Totally. Um, and yeah, I just love, I love Ethan Hawke. I think Ethan Hawke's a genius, but I just love everyone in the movie. And I think the story is so solid, and it's just a great two-hour film as well. So, and the soundtrack as well. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. You've covered a lot of ground there. That I totally all agree with. I want to brought up in time just to speak with the aesthetic. Uh, it turns out sort of coincidentally that um, like we sort of chose the aesthetic question of the week sort of, you know, as a oh yeah, sci-fi thing, it's a cool question. But like I didn't expect it to really tie in so well with this film and the discussion because, dude, I love the aesthetic. I love what it goes for sci-fi-wise. It, uh, what you said about Blade Runner, it's totally true. Like I I love the little – I love everything about it. I love the little um, – the technology that they do have. It's limited. But like – Everything's still like these funny CRT monitors that they all use and the, with the keyboards and the workstations. And mm, yeah. um, I love the little Game Boy screens that they use to, um, you know, validate everyone's identity. That yeah, has the same yeah. terrible, like, like <laughs> little screen on it. I love all that shit. I thought it was great. Yeah. And just the, and the environments and the city and everything really doesn't feel really that advanced at all, which I think is awesome. Um, but I've got some I've got some trivia about it, Jane. This one's for you. Uh, many of the futuristic buildings in the film are actually quite old, obviously. But uh, many of these represent a type of postmodern architecture called brutalism, which was popular in the 1950s. The two massive arches seen behind Jerome and Irene during their talk are actually the spillway of the oh my god of the of the dam in Los Angeles. Uh, there's a, the dam is named. I'm not going to try and say it, so- uh, which was built in the 1930s. You want me to say it? Set this uh, the Sepul Sepulveda Sepulveda Dam. Uh, okay, it's dodgy. It's dodgy. The spillway. So is that actually okay? The spillway. Is that what those? I know exactly the things you were talking about, Fitzy. Like the yeah, I think that you yeah. get. It's um. It's when Uma Thurman gives him like the piece of his hair of her hair. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah 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 I, yeah like. Uh, I love how subtle this kind of film is in it. And like kind of, it's funny because I just did a project on postmodernist architecture this week. So I was like, nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, it lends itself really well to it, um, to, to the kind of sci-fi aesthetic. And like, you know, it's like cyberpunk kind of takes that kind of design language and then just like kind of amplifies it through like flooding with technology, whereas this keeps it really simple. I don't know. I love how like, it's, it's, it's interesting because like, it's it's like this film un- ex- is experiencing something that like usually only like older sci-fi products like from the 40s 50s even earlier ex- experience where like it's already at a point where the technology is mostly obsolete like we've got like dna tracking we've got you know we're we're we're, we're in the we're well on the way to manned missions to other planets we've got you know like electronic cars are no longer a fantasy like the only thing that's kind of you know like like sci-fi anymore is kind of like the genetic kind of control of the kids but like we're even on our way to that with like stem cell research so like um it's kind of experiencing that thing like older sci-fi products do where like their technology is becoming obsolete so like 
I'm worried that people aren't going to engage with it because it's no longer an interesting thing to see because, like, um, you know, if it's no longer sci-fi, is it really worth <laughs> the watch? So, um, yeah. But, no, I think it's fantastic. I think, like, even, like, the um, the houses that they that they occupy, like, both Uma Thurman's and... Um, oh, world, yeah. That's so true. They're, 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 they're stunning, just, like, glass and just stone and just fucking fantastic. Yeah. Well, it's funny because they're, like, really... They're, like, really postmodern, like, really modern. Like, they're, they're like, the thing that, like, you know, uh, fucking Robert De Niro and he, like, he looks out on. Like, it's very, like... Oh, totally, uh, yeah. It's totally, like... But, like, it contrasts with, like, the buildings, which are, like, kind of old. Yeah, I just said, like, old, like, 50s kind of things. Yeah, I totally agree. I feel like it adds to the film thematically for me as well. Like, that's so fun. Great point that you mentioned, Jane. I didn't even... Yeah, like what am I watching this movie for if it feels so grounded? But I don't know. I feel like it adds to the film's concepts. I feel like this is a world that, you know, isn't ours but is very plausible. Um, and I think that's that's exciting. I don't know. I think the whole – the entire premise and concept that it plays with, the main thing being like it builds a larger world in a lot of different interesting ways, but like the core premise of the stem cell research and – children no longer being conceived naturally and you know you can manipulate traits of any human being and that kind of tampering and manipulation of genetics is genuine and and a fascinating thing that you know as as you mentioned already jane is like a thing that's happening and that we're gonna have to grapple with very soon the idea that i didn't know what this movie was about at all like it was called gattaca i thought i don't know it's gonna be like some goddamn uh space station or some shit where uh like it's super curved designs and all that sort of stuff. So it was the total opposite of that, which I really loved. And then to get this concept thrown in there of the baby's lifespan being immediately determined, like that scene where uh, you see Ethan Hawke board and they just like literally <laughs> 10 seconds after he comes out, they're like, all right, uh, yeah, this guy's going to live for 30 years. And uh, they tell you everything about him. It's just, it was wild. I thought it was really well done. And as the narration says, the new underclass, everyone being discriminated down to a science, everything determined at birth. Oh, it's it's sort of it was a lot. Like I feel like there's a lot to think about and and say about the way the film presents these very real ideas. And I don't know, like imagine that knowledge would just change the way, as it does in the film, uh, the way we interact with everything in the world around us. You know, so it's just it's totally wild. So, uh, so Liam, I pose the question to you: Would you, would you genetically engineer your child? Um, well, I think at a certain point, everyone does because everyone else is doing it, and it kind of like society kind of plays by those rules. But, um, oh yeah, the cameras. Like people criticize this film. One of one of the biggest criticisms of the film is that there's like no cameras, and like oh. you know, super. Like surveillance, interesting. Uh, like surveillance-focused society, or whatever. But I feel like, I feel like, so it, I think it adds to the aesthetic that there are no like that there isn't technology everywhere. Um, but also, I don't feel like you need cameras in like if you have this like genetic, you know, system that like checks like your genes so easily, and everyone's kind of passed through that. That way. but I feel like also. Hmm. Everything in the film, everyone is so uniform in the film and there's so much conformity that you don't need to really enforce laws, enforce rules that much. Like, yeah, that's kind of shown through like, like Ethan Hawke is so surprised that when, when he becomes Vincent, like it's so easy for him. Everyone just kind of accepts it and you don't, they don't need to like analyze him any further than just the tests, the genetic tests, which I think is really cool. And like, there's no, there's no like, obvious scene in the film where he's like discriminated against like uh for his for you know his inferior genes or anything. i mean there is but it doesn't like spell it out really like obviously and try and you know be pedantic about it or anything um but like his narration where he kind of goes through his like past um as someone who's deemed inferior is like it's really yeah it's really good Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! It's awesome. I don't, I don't understand that criticism at all. By the way, I feel like the film addresses it pretty head on. Um, I mean, don't they literally say in the film like, "When was the last time anyone looked at photos?" Yeah, they just say that. I thought that. Yeah. So it's like, 
I mean, that's kind of really wild in itself, but that, I mean, I think it's pretty clear we're talking about a society now that doesn't really value, like its values have drastically shifted. Yeah. To the point where the, that scan when you enter the building at work is all you need. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, great point about the, the laws and law enforcement as well. For me, the, the way the police behave in this world was notable because they seem sort of un, less necessary, but also more powerful in some ways. Like they they round up everyone at the drop of a hat constantly. Like they go and um, sweep the streets and make everyone line up and mandatory blood tests multiple times. Um, it, when they do it in Gattaca as well, it, it, was, it was kind of crazy. Like that's definitely a sort of dystopian situation. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that, that all added to that. But um, the it, I, I thought it was so funny speaking on the photos when the inspector guy came over and like <laughs> like the the photo of Ethan Hawke was right there on the screen and he like doesn't even notice it and he starts just pointing at the work on the on the Ethan Hawke screen. Because I was like, "What isn't that? Isn't that literally Ethan Hawke?" And the other one he uses is literally Jude Law. But apparently, the ID photo of Jerome is a digitally morphed version of the faces of both Ethan Hawke and Jude Law. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Because I looked at the photo, I didn't think it was like purely Jude Law. Like, yeah, it, I didn't, I didn't, yeah. It looks more. Ethan Hawke, there was something yeah. about it. Yeah. Which one? The the one with the glasses, or? Sorry. The one with the glasses, the phone. No, the one, the one he uses as Jerome. It looks, I think, it looks very much like Ethan Hawke, oh, although like they yeah. have merged it. Okay, yeah. It's, to mm. me, it just straight up like Jude Law, and I was surprised they merged it. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't that weird? So <laughs> <laughs> I guess, I guess it was effective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's wild. I don't know. I don't know. Where's the goddamn trivia I had about this? Oh yeah. In terms of the. Crazy genetics, engineering, all that sort of stuff. When Gattaca was first released, uh, as part of a marketing campaign, there were adverts for people to call and have their children genetically engineered. Thousands of people called, <laughs> wanting to have their offspring uh, engineered in that way. Fair enough. I, I don't know. It was kind of surprising. Like, do you think the film? I don't know. Is is it a critique of of that direction? Yeah, um, yeah I'd say it is. Yeah. Not like balls to the walls, like, you know, this is horrible, never do it, but like. More of a warning, maybe? Huh. Yeah, that makes sense. It made me think, like, it's a complicated discussion, and, um, like, th- that scene when Jerome's parents, oh, sorry, Vin- you know, Vin- oh my God, the name's going to be hard. When Vincent's parents were sitting down and they were, you know, choosing the- their next kid, um, who ended up being the brother. And they're talking with the doctor and they've got the, the goddamn eggs or the cells, I don't know what they are, the four sitting there on the screen. And the doctor's like, yeah, you can just literally right here choose a perfectly healthy child that's going to live to 100 years old and all this sort of stuff. It's like when it's presented to you like that and wh- even when the parents are like, well, we want to leave some stuff to chance, I'm sort of like, like when it's presented that clearly, I'm sort of just like, why would you? You know, I, I get it. Where I'm just like, yeah. Why wouldn't you just take like the perfect healthy child and not have to worry about that? But then I don't know. For me, like there's almost another layer to it where I almost feel like it's that separate from then when as soon as the child comes out and then like having so much of their fate um, sort of written out as I mean that's what the film sort of deals with, but like having their futures determined by science on the spot, like knowing all this stuff about them in advance. Like when they when they determine like how long he's probably going to live and his chances of diseases and all that sort of stuff. Like I I almost feel like is there a situation where you can uh, ensure like a healthy child, but I don't know, like make the choice not to know all the probabilities of everything. I feel like that might be a nice middle ground. I'd have to think on it more, but that's sort of the conclusion I came to. Because I don't want to know if my kid's going to die when he's twenty. You know what I mean? I don't need to know that. But it's tricky. I don't know. Any thoughts, Jaden? No, I'll let you sit in that. And just in <laughs> let, let me sit in that. Sweet. Cool, cool, cool. Um, God damn. Everyone in this movie is terrific. This was 
by far my favorite Ethan Hawke performance I've seen. I think he was super believable as his character, super likable. Um, I love, I, I think he services the story so well as this person, as and it sets it up really well that he's this guy that, you know, wants to push through the boundaries that this new society has created for him. And at the end of the day, like we can talk about, as I have just ranted about all the interesting philosophical implications and, and everything that the film poses that you can talk about. And it's quite complex. And, and I love all that about sci-fi and, and that sort of thing. I think the film does that really well, but then on the other hand, it sort of is able to do that while also sort of just achieve through its main character, just a really simple message. That's awesome. Which is just, you can achieve anything, you know, you can do it. Like I, I, I thought that was really nice. And I think that Ethan Hawke doing that at the end was, I was like, hell yeah, dude, that's awesome. Um, I can't remember what you said earlier, Fitzy, but you put it another way like that too that I thought was really perfect as well. Uh, at the end of the day, I think that's really just what the film's about. That like none of that shit really at the end of the day matters if you've if you're determined and you've got the the will and the passion and the dream and you know, all that sort of shit that, you know, positive positive <laughs> affirmations. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's a very easy movie to like get into. Um, Ethan Hawke's plight. Um, yeah, it's very, very positive, very nice. But yeah, Ethan Hawke is, I don't know, it's just really good. I don't think anything in the film I can, because I, mean, I don't think I can say too much about his performance because it's just, I don't know, it's really good. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, he's just believable to me. I totally yeah. I see it in him. That he's, I said the drive, I think, yeah. So yeah, he was a standout to me. Um, but everyone's great. Jude Law was great. I loved his character. Yeah. Um, yeah. How they like introduced Jude Law is really like at first he's kind of like a bit. Their, their relationship was really good because at first he's kind of bitter towards him. He's kind of like doubts him a lot. He kind of has a bit of uh, judgment or like snobbiness, but then he kind of comes around on him as he like kind of realizes he has this he has this will to escape to get to space. Yeah. He kind of like comes to respect him, and then they have like kind of fun, that fun dynamic in the movie. Like he comes home, and they like want to get drunk or whatever. It's like, no, that's nice. Yeah, yeah. It was really sweet at the end when he said, um, "You know, your dream helped me." And they sort of helped. You know, they drastically helped each other, which was really nice. Yeah, I totally agree. Their whole bromance was really cool. I was sort of worried at the start to what you were saying that it was going to turn into some sort of like rivalry situation. Mm, um, yeah. it was going to be hostile in some way. And I felt totally felt the same way about Uma Thurman's character as well. Like I thought for sure her whole thing was going to be like undermining and exposing him and yeah. you know, getting the mission for herself. And that's not what it ended up being, which was a nice surprise yeah. as well. Um, I especially, I actually thought the film, you know, that scene when um, it's after like she realizes in the alleyway for the first time that something's not right with him and then they sleep together. And then there's that scene where, like, he notices the hair on the bed and he gets up in the early in the morning and then she, like, opens her eyes in bed. Well, it was, there was a moment where I was like, oh, this is all this is all a trap on her part that she's laid to get his DNA and to, like, prove in some way that he, he was the murderer and then that she's going to expose him and get the mission for herself. Um, mm. But, yeah, the film got me because that's, that's not what it was. So everything, every time you think the film's trying to trick you, it's just wholesome. It's just sweet. <laughs> <laughs> really wholesome experience, yeah. Oh, dude, I was so bummed when Eugene carked it at the end, you know. Mm. I was so upset. I was like genuinely like, dude, I don't know. Like it was sad. Well, His whole Vincent. thing. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Wait, no, Eugene? Eugene. Um, goddamn, Jer- real Jerome. Oh yeah, real Jerome. Sorry, I meant to say Jerome. Yeah, Jerome. It's oh. so hard. I know. It's okay. I forgot, the, okay. I forgot the other name, Jerome. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard. Yeah. I was. I was bummed. I mean, I, I love his whole thing of how he's like the total opposite of Ethan Hawke. He's someone who was born valid and you know is perfect physically in every way, but now has to. He doesn't. He's lost his dreams. He's lost everything. He's lost his faith and. The total contrast of that is really interesting. But yeah, I don't know. I, I, re- oh, I was pulling for him. I really wanted him to have some hope at the end. So it was sort of. 
Yeah. I forgot that he killed himself because, like, when he goes, like, oh, I'm going to travel traveling on my own, I was like, oh, yeah, this is going to be. Yeah, exactly. He's going to yeah. have a good time, you know? I was like, yeah, yeah. this is, this will be great for him, you know, that freedom and whatnot. Yeah. And well, then that's he, like, yeah. yeah. That's like the one element that kind of makes it not. I think it balances, like, the positivity and, like, the. Yeah. You know, the ease of the journey that I was talking about. Because mm. it's like, it kind of gives it, the movie, like, a depressing, like, kind of undertone. Which is like, like the movie is about will, I guess, and like he doesn't have any will to do anything. So it's a contrast in that way, yeah. Yeah, great point. That's totally true. Because as much as I'm upset and would have been a happier human being if the final scene was Jude Law sitting next to the Eiffel Tower or some shit, (laughs) like, yeah, there is something, that's totally true. There is something to say that like the film might lose a bit of impact with that. It only makes Ethan Hawke's success more satisfying. Good for yeah. how they just like go into space, just like suave as just dressed in suits, just you know, sitting in the stone face. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> Dude, when they get to that planet, they're gonna let loose, they're gonna get rid of all their suits they've been wearing for last for their whole lives. Yeah, their genetic system, they're gonna be having so much fun. But, but didn't the film sort of build up that Ethan Hawke was gonna be alone, but he had mates there? I mean, alone yeah. in the sense that you're not on the planet and you know, you're gonna be, you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah, not completely alone know. on another planet or anything else. That'd yeah. be pretty hard. I can still have an orgy, you know, it's fine. Um, mm, it's sort okay. of, it's sort of a different dynamic, you know what I mean? Not to what I was exactly picturing. Who else is there? There's the, I mean, the brother. It, dude, it took me. Okay, if you give me it, out of ten, stupid Zach's scale, it took me. In like way too long to realize that the detective was his brother. I don't think that's true. I think that's. I think the movie plays that well. Mm. I don't think they do. I don't think they give too much information on that. Oh, so it's meant. It's meant to be, sort of a bit of a surprise. Yeah, 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 I think so. I think it's. Oh, thank God. Okay, okay, good. I came in like fully expecting. (laughs) No, yeah, I think it's like supposed to be a twist. Cool. Okay, no, that's 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 great. It worked. There's a twist then for me. Yeah. Okay. That's good. That's good. Yeah, I think you mentioned the question why he's kind of so, kind of horny on Vincent um, and like finding him, but like, yeah, I don't think you're really meant to. Yeah, because because I forgot well, about that too. Yeah, he's yeah. He actually misdirects the other detective away from Vincent, like the whole movie. You know, because he's kind of the the other detective. They have a weird dynamic because the other detective is obviously has like a lower number or whatever, yeah. and every time he questions him, he kind of realizes he can't. And he always says to him, he's like, oh, why don't we look at, why don't we look in the vicinity? Why don't we look for the people in there? It's probably someone working there. And then he's like, no, we got to check like, you know, homeless people. We got to check like, you know, uh, lower, what, what do they call them? Like invalids and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They had a few names for him, but yeah. But yeah, the brother's trying to actually protect him for a lot of the movie. Um, but he still has kind of spiteful. So he's, he's kind of like balancing it. It's kind of like conflicted, yeah. Yeah. At what point do you think he realised that he was chasing Vincent? When he because he found out it was Vincent's DNA. Oh yeah, the very start he looked at he found they found the DNA. It was oh, so um, he knew the whole time. Yeah, like the eyelash yeah. is Vincent's eyelash. It's like he knows that he's that he's got something to do with it, or he's there at least, you know. I see. I see. Because like the first thing we see of him is like. The photos flashed on the screen of the detective's office, and he just looks at it and it cuts. Mm. So, like, you kind of assume that. Yeah, I don't want to show his reaction because then you would realize, but yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, because for me, when he shouted it out in the alleyway after they ran out of the club and he was like, shouted Vincent, I was like, oh shit, he knows. But yeah, okay. Hmm. That's cool. Um, I'm so glad you brought up the dynamic with the other detective. Alan Arkin plays the other detective. I love Alan Arkin. But um, he, the, uh, that was super noteworthy for me too, that there's this older guy and the second they, they start on screen together, you just sort of assume, oh, yeah, the older guy's the boss. And then after the exchange, you realize that's it's so weird in this world that presumably because of purely genetic reasons that Alan Arkin reports to the young dude, um, which was a super interesting dynamic that just surprised me. I thought that was a really nice little detail that built out the world a bit more as well. Yeah. But the way everything, I don't know, the way the brother dynamic and story is built is just really solid. 
the whole mm. uh, swimming motif and then uh, the the recurring scene of them facing each other was really quite impactful, I thought. And the way it built to the end and it, the final one at, not, at the end was at night time, very atmospheric, you know, the two brothers opposing philosophies, opposing genetics, opposing ways of birth, you know, racing it out in the water. I just thought it was really nice. It was good. Mm. Very effective. And, of course, dude, of course, Ethan Hawke, why are you kidding me? I just thought it was, it's, it's such a simple, like, kind of philosophy that he, that he succeeds on. And, like, the film, like, the whole film is based around, like, I just never saved anything, you know. I just gave it away all. all it's, it's, it's yes. like, yes. I, don't, I don't know. It's just, like, simultaneously like, a bit, I don't know. Like, it's like, how did you do it? I just, I just tried more. Fucking, like, all right, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. but it's it's it works, though. It's super effective, I think. Yeah. I just saw, like, someone brought up the fact that he says that, we're closer to the other side, but they're in an ocean. So it's kind of like his mindset is kind of like irrationally like like motivating himself or whatever, you know. But that's what I was trying to figure out. Is it an ocean or is it just like a fucking like, I don't know. No, I think it's an ocean. I think that's what that line means because like it's, impo- like, it's impossible to get to the other side, but he kind of, he does it. He tells them anything he can to justify himself like going further. Hmm. Like it's close to the other side, you know. But Interesting. Surely yeah. not. Like, because he's got, if he's close to us, like, like, because otherwise it's just a suicide mission. Like, he's, he's going to keep on swimming until, like, yeah. Well, does. that's, that's, like, that's what it is. It, like, every time, those two times that he swims, he is, like, willing to kill himself. I think that's part of the point, kind of. Yeah. That is the point of the swimming, I think. Yeah. I don't know. Because I, I, I feel like he would, like, I feel like they genuinely were swimming to another side. No, Which doesn't okay. make sense for, like, the waves, I guess. And, like, because that's why I was always confused, because, like, it looks like an ocean, but, like, I don't understand what he gets from, like, being, you know. If they were actually closer to another side, I don't think his brother, what's his brother's name? It was, Anton. like, the, Anton. I don't think he would have swam back to, you know, to the, to the shore. They yeah. would have actually They would have actually kept going to the other side if there was another side, but... but like, because he, he was, like, drowning. But, like, Vincent being suicidal like in that way undermines everything else that he does in the film i don't think it does i mean i think, no. I think it like exemplifies it no because if he's so willing to because if there is no other side and he's just willing to keep on swimming until he dies and like i don't know well yeah i don't know if he looks at it that way like i think his whole thing is that he because he he can die at any moment like with his heart condition so his whole thing is that he's just in the moment he's determined to keep pushing himself uh, regardless of the outcome. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think, I think that's more what it is. Um, if you say, oh, I get what you mean. It's sort of just a different way to look at it, I guess. But I don't understand why he tells his brother that there's another side. If it's a fucking ocean. <laughs> I was trying to explain that. I mean, that's a fair point. <laughs> it's just like, there's no way you can possibly win, right? If there's no way you can possibly win, right? You have if you have to try, like, you have to, if you're playing a game and there's no way you can win, you have to try tricks. You know what I mean? Like, you have to try extreme things, you know, to try and win. Right. Because if you if you play the game normally, you're never gonna win, right? Yeah. So I think that's the idea that like. He he's given himself some like irrational like kind of you know belief or something. Well, maybe he doesn't actually believe it, but he's just like saying it to himself over and over in his head, you know, as a kind of way to motivate himself. Like, yeah, and that's what he does the whole time. Uh, I'll accept that. Feel free to not accept. I, that. I mean, it makes sense. Like the brother, you know, we're talking about the guy who you know is superior genetically in every way, but he he knows, you know, barring that, I don't know, he gets hit by a car or something. Uh, he he knows that he's going to live till he's ninety five, and he's going to be all good and dandy. That's why he wants to stop and turn around, like because he knows he has there's a clear sort of end point in his life in mind for him. Like he, oh yeah, that's a good point. He knows, you know, he's not living life um, like he could die at any moment. He's not y'all living. He's not y'all. Yes. Uh, we can talk about the score because I thought it was rad. I thought it was just very that main theme that they have is very nice and uh, quite powerful when it's used, especially uh, during the, the the ocean scenes that we're talking about as well. Hmm. Jaden, would you say it was a bop? I didn't really take much notice of it. 
Boo. Well, I mean, no, it's not really a bop, is it? Because I feel like a bop is like, yeah, it was great. The score was great, but it wasn't a bop. Yeah, let me go. I'll, I'll go listen to a sample and I'll, I'll get back to it in about four minutes. Excellent. Well done. Another thing I thought was noteworthy, um, at the end when the Doctor um, revealed that he knew the whole time that um, Vincent was not Jerome, uh, mm. When he made clear that he knew he was an invalid the whole time, that just brought up this interesting thing in my mind that the idea, as there would be, of course, that there are, I presume, natural-born sympathisers out there. You know, you presume this doctor. I know he's probably he's a doctor, so I know he's probably got thoughts and opinions about med- medical stuff, and he was probably of the mind that. You know, he's probably dislikes the discrimination and the direction society has taken. So he, I don't know how much he knows about Vincent personally, but he's probably just like, yeah, I, I realize what's happening here and I'm just going to let him be. Well, so it's because of his son, isn't it? Because his son's got like a condition. And so it's like sympathetic to people that, that have no hope. Isn't that what he says? Yeah, his son like wants to go to space to or something. He like, really likes space. He said, my son's a big fan of yours. Or something. There you go. Confirmed. Perfect. I, I forgot about that. But yes, that confirms everything. Love it. Yeah, no, the score's pretty good. <laughs> especially See, uh, told especially the track, uh, uh, The Other Side, is called. I assume it's from the ocean mm. scene. Yes. Yes. Mm, yes. I don't know how much there is to say other than, you know, it's good in terms well, of. Oh, sorry. I thought, I, thought you, I thought you were just going to end with. Um, oh, that was just a broad it, statement. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll let you go in a sec, but um, um, in terms of the way the film shot, like I, I just like it overall, but there are a few specific moments. Like I really like the way they handled um, the moment where Vincent has to cross the street um, and mm. he can't see because of his vision. That was another interesting touch too that like until that scene, I didn't even click that like, oh, yeah, no one wears glasses in this world, obviously, because who needs them? Um, oh, yeah, you're an invalid. <laughs> Dude, I, I'd be... <laughs> Dude, if this shit starts in my lifetime, I'm fucked for real. But um, but uh, I like the way they handled the POV shots of like Ethan Hawke looking and like not being at the blurred cars and stuff. I just I was like, I don't think I've ever seen. It's pr- there's probably plenty of examples I just haven't seen, but of like POV shots of someone's perspective who is visually impaired done quite so well not that it's authentic to my experience by the way like i can see way better than that film yeah i was gonna say I thought but, this was excessive. i can see way better than that but i just thought it was, i thought it was cool i thought it was well done yeah well that well that scene where he crosses the road is also i want to keep harping on this point but like i think i remember Thermo even mentions it in the movie it's like another point where he was willing to die to like cross the street basically you know mm. I feel like one of the frequently asked questions on the IMDb is like, why did Ethan Hawke cross the road? Isn't that extremely dangerous? <laughs> and the answer is like, yes, it is extremely dangerous. And, you know, you shouldn't do this in real life. <laughs> that's funny. Oh, that's dumb. I love it. Um, I liked the line when uh, Uma Thurman said, you need 12 fingers to play that piece on the piano. And Ethan Hawke said, 12 fingers or one, it's how you play. And I was like, that's his character in a nutshell. Hmm. Very good, Andrew. Very good writing, Andrew. Well done. Very good. Yeah, this was his first film. Andrew Nicole's first, first film. film. Yeah, yeah. Because I like—I assume you read the bit about like how like that he wanted to make Truman Show, but then like too much money, so he like he went and made this. And like, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, okay. yeah. Well, like, it's like um, it's like they gave him twenty million, and he couldn't make the Truman Show on twenty million, so it was like, oh, I'll, I'll write this instead. Um. And like it, it, it shocks me, like how like this, like as a backup film, like just to fall back on and quickly write, like how 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 effective it is. I think it's probably one of his better works. Like if you look at his entire filmography, yeah. Because um, I'm not, you know, I'm not a massive fan of the Truman Show, um, and I like In Time for what it is, but like it doesn't stand to kind of the quality of this film. Mm. Um, he didn't make the Truman Show. Oh, he wrote for it. He wrote it. Sorry, he wrote it. it. He wrote yeah. it. Um. So like, yeah, I think like you know, yeah, I don't know. I think as as a first effort, this is fantastic. Oh, totally, totally. I mean, I haven't seen all his films, but like, I feel like maybe his first and best effort. Maybe. Well, bold. I don't want to be so bold. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, it's very, very impressive. I'll tell you, okay. I've honestly pretty much got nothing bad to say about this film, except um, its poster sucks. I'll say that. 
the poster. Just to balance like, everything the out. The letterbox one. Letterbox one is terrible. This film deserves a better poster. And even like the IMDb one was better, but like even it wasn't very impressive. I, I feel like we can do better than that still even. It's a bit of a cheap poster, yeah. Like you see that and I don't want to watch that, you know what I mean? But you, uh, do, you should I, you should I, watch it though. I quite like the um the I quite like the one on Stan, like the like the Stan poster. With like the helix kind of like interweaving between like Ethan Hawke and Emma Thurman's face. Like it's still not oh, a great poster, that. but like it's it, I think I think I think it's better than the than the It's definitely better than, than the other two. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. It was illegal to discriminate in this world, which is uh interesting. Hmm. Seems sort of like a useless law, but yeah, but like it's the same way. Like you know, you can't discriminate on job applications today. Where like you know, like yeah, you're not meant to add yeah. like you know your age because then people like see that you're sixty and they're like, oh, we don't want you working here because you're sixty. You know, but like people right. will still obviously like you come in for an interview, people will see you're sixty, and you're like, oh, well, you know, yeah, nah. Yeah, yeah, it's actually no. That's exact. It's literally the exact same thing as that. Uh, we can get to our final verdicts for Gattaca, Jaden. Oh, uh, I'm gonna bump it up by one from the current score. Um, I'm gonna slap an eight on it. Um, another eight in the in the cinema effect world. So, yeah, <laughs> one of many eights. Does yeah. someone want to go back and listen to every eight given out by all three of us? <laughs> eights have they been? Oh man, it's about. I to mean, be I would one, I would say I'm we should start. Ah, oh, sorry, I was talking. That's all good. Again. I was going to say we should start reviewing worse films, but then, like, the experience becomes shit. Let's not. Let's not do that. Yeah. Um, we can do American Mary Revisited a long time from now, please. Liam, what are you giving it? It was an eight, but I think that... Like, I watched this on Monday, and, like, during the week, I was kind of like, I like I wanted to watch it again. So, like, I think it deserves a <laughs> nine because of that. So, yeah, I'll give it a nine. Very good. I like that reasoning. Mm. Fantastic. I agree with that. Very good. Let's get into news chat. You guys have both seen the Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery trailer. Jen, what did you think of it? Um, what did I think? Uh, yeah, it was all right. I don't know. Um, I don't think I really put too much stock in the first trailer, in, in the trailer for Knives Out anyway. I don't know. It's it it like the to me it looks like a bloody death on the Nile type esque situation. No, it's not. I know it's going to be completely different, but like that's like the vibe I got from the trailer. But it's like, um, but like, is I don't know. It's not meant to be. So like, I don't know. We'll, we'll see when it comes out. I saw Edgar Wright has very high praise for it, so I don't know. It's um, we'll see. Hmm. Okay. The trailer. I was hoping for a bit more positivity. Too exciting for me though. Yeah. Like it look okay. it, like it looks like it looks fun. It looks like the same kind of type of thing. Yeah. But it looks, I don't, know. I don't know, it just doesn't do much. Okay, okay. What about you, Fitzy? I don't know, I think it actually looks like a bit more, like, animated, I guess, than the other one. Like, it feels more, uh, like, maybe it'll have more personality. Because like, there's a lot oh, of, like, zoom in. There's, like, like, a lot of weird, like, camera stuff just in the trailer, I felt like. Like, okay, like, noticeably distinct from the first one, even. Yeah, like even more stylistic. Yeah, cool. Cool. Looks fun. I don't see the trailer, but I'm 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 in, I'm in dude. I, I don't need to see the trailer. I'm just excited. We got some breaking news we can go into. Jaden, how badly do you want to see Inside Out two? Because not at all. I was um I was quite <laughs> disappointed by the first Inside Out. Like it's still a solid movie, but like it was. I think I remember talking about it on the show. Like after experiencing Soul and then going back to watch Inside Out. Um, yeah. It just does not hold up in any way. So like I re- like I saw that it was um I saw it was announced. I was like, there's nothing for me at all. Anything for you, Fitzy? Do you like the original? Yeah, I like Inside Out. Inside Out is five times more solid than Soul. So okay. Whoa! Um, Whoa! Yeah. Huge. It's big. Yeah, I don't know. It looks. I'll watch it. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Okay. I liked Inside Out when I saw it, but I only saw it the one time. Um, which I feel like is weird for me, for Pixar. But um, yeah, I feel like I should revisit. The f- I'll revisit the first one before this one for sure. So, I mean, you've got like two years anyway. So, yeah, plenty of time. I mean, I'm definitely going to see this anyway. I see every. I love Pixar. So, 
yeah, I'll need to revisit the first one and see what I feel about that. Pixar and Disney, they've announced in the last hour because D23 is happening. The, yeah. the Marvel and next week's is probably, our news chat's going to be probably huge because they've got the Marvel and Star Wars stuff happening tomorrow, whatever they do there. Well, there's um, Star Wars so news I, already. Did you see the Star Wars news today? Which What is it? Which one? It's that um, Amanus Fandi has been cast as Ezra Bridger. Wait, really? Yes. No, shut up. Really? Yes. How did I not see this? Hang on. I'm, hang on. This is huge. He's in King Richard. I think that was the only notable thing I saw. I don't recall this man. Yeah, I've, I've never seen him before, which is good. Um, Star Wars does have a trend of casting unknowns. So um, this goes, I, I, I say sure. unknown. Uh, it might be a bit cruel because he, he's maybe he's done the fantastic he's in, stuff. Yeah. But, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I know. Like, you know, in terms of like not popular people, you know, yeah. Cool. All right. I mean, I mean he looks like Ezra, so I'm happy. Yeah. Cool. I trust Dave. Whatever Dave thinks is good for Ezra, that's great. Well, I'm, I'm just glad that Ezra's in it. That's great. Fantastic. All right. Thank you, Jan. I'm glad you brought that to my attention. So there'll probably be even more stuff. That's already quite huge. We've been way out for years. So uh, I presume there's going to be even more stuff in the for next week and tomorrow. So that's that's cool. But um, I know that Pixar also announced a bunch of they announced a bunch of new IP films, which I'm sure you know they've got Elemental coming and they've got Elio, this new film coming. Or you know, give me an original Pixar film, I'm probably going to love it. So that's awesome. But uh, I know you guys are going to love this, right? The main thing coming out of this morning is the fact that Disney has announced, we already knew about this, but um, the title for Mufasa, The Lion King, oh, yeah. which is a live action Lion King prequel directed by Barry Jenkins, uh, most notably who did uh, Moonlight. Um, so oh, yeah. that movie is going to get reviewed like uh, very positively then. Is it? Yeah, just by default. Uh, he's doing it. I know, but I feel like, what? how does that work? Because I feel like live action Lion King reviewed terribly by default moonlight uh, you know like when yeah but it, I it's think such like, a stark um, contrast I, I think people are going to be a lot more apologetic for its misgivings of but now that barry's directing it okay and it's and it's an original story yeah it's not a remake of anything so i feel like that's sort of notable as well yeah but I, i'm just like what should be filled with all the same problems that people criticized the 20 19 18 whatever it is one like the, the the new reboot but people are just not going to care as much because it's jenkins i think it's great I, I i like moonlight a lot but like i feel like people are just going to be far more apologetic for it probably probably which i mean maybe that's just reflects on they shouldn't they should be more apologetic of the first one you know what i mean amazing film um <laughs> dude i'm stoked for this movie i'm gonna see this goddamn movie are you kidding me rufasa as a baby hell yeah Sounds great. And you get the incredible CG with all the beautifully emotional faces that everyone loves. Mm. So, yeah, I'm in. I'm in. I love staring the shit. I really hope we do live-action Lion King remake episode one day so I can just It's not live-action, so It's totally live-action, isn't it? It's though? not. It's animated. Yeah, it's all animated. They used real lions. Didn't you know uh, Mufasa played himself? Uh, that's nuts. Yeah, mm. thanks, for, thanks for imparting <laughs> that knowledge on me. It's wild. I know. It's great. Yeah. It's great. And this Mufasa's, it's like a many sense of Newark situation. His son is playing young Mufasa in this Well, film. yeah, there's not many lines left, so I'd expect something like that would have to happen. Yeah, that's bloody <laughs> nepotism only, babies. He has three yeah. options. <laughs> nepotism yeah. lines. Yeah. <laughs> Zach scoured for news chat this morning and missed literally the story he's been waiting like a year to <laughs> I think we're good, Jane. We're good. Right? Yeah, I reckon we're good. good. Yeah, yeah, very good, very good. Let's get into our highlights of the week. Jane, what have you been watching? Uh, I watched the first episode of Rick and Morty season six because that dropped this week. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're releasing it weekly, um, which surprised me, but also it doesn't. I don't know. Um, just the Netflix's release method. Um, it was solid. It wasn't great by any means, but that's because like the season five finale was like brilliant, kind of like basic TV. Um and because of the overall tone of Rick and Morty, it's always going to be hard to follow up like kind of such a dramatic beat because you have to re- you have to like kind of re- revert to this kind of light-hearted kind of fun thing. So like you know, like you're never going to have characters reeling with the event because you have to then make a comedy again. So start of season six, you're back to cracking jokes, and you're uh, this like massive event that felt very serious in season five is now 
kind of taken lightly. But that's like the, that's the whole tone of the show, um, really. So it's not really a criticism. It's just like the way it happens. It was okay. It wasn't like Rick and Morty for me personally is just something that that improved like infinitely from like like from where it started. Um, whereas this feels a bit like season one again, not in terms of like quality, but just like kind of the way it happened. Um, but you know, it's just early season, so it's just just kicking about. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm keen for the rest of the season. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll see where it goes. Sure. Are you concerned that after you sort of went through Rick and Morty the first five seasons that it's not going to lend itself as well to a weekly thing? Um, no, because it is very serialized. Um, okay. In terms of like animated comedies for adults, it is the most serialized one you'll find probably. Okay. Um, and especially like the start of this season, like they have set up kind of like something that should have implications later. So like, um, like it should be fine to watch weekly. Cool, cool. Okay, I thought you just might prefer having binged it. I mean, like you know what I mean. But um, mm. cool. I get you. Very good, Fitzy. Have you been watching Rick and Morty? No. What? You, you know, you turn himself into a pickle. Funny shit I've ever seen. Funny shit, oh, yeah. Um, no, but I watched um, I watched Boiling Point. That was good. Um, it's um, it's a one shot movie, so it was all shot in one take, like literally, like it's all. There was no like artificial cuts or anything. It was actually all shot in one take in a in a restaurant, um, and which lends itself very well. To the one shot because like it's a it's a very stressful environment like it's very stressful the whole the whole time the whole like ninety minutes or whatever um, especially they have like you know they have shortages in stock and the guy Stephen Graham who's amazing is um you know he has he's trying to deal with like the staff he's trying to deal with uh, people coming into the kitchen like personal problems family you know he's his past and, like there's this other chef guy who wants him to pay him like um 200 grand or whatever and so yeah it's like it's very the one shot is like very purposeful in the film and like it follows all these it follows all the staff in the kitchen for like a minute or so it just like goes you know the camera like follows them and you learn about their own struggles and stuff um um so yeah like it's very purposeful and uh yeah it's really good um it's kind of like obvious in some ways, like someone has like a food allergy in the film and you can guess what happens later, you know, mm. like they're mm. setting it up. So obviously like there's a lot of spoiler, but, um, well it is, sorry. Spoilers. spoilers. <laughs> um, but yeah, the film is like really, really great. Yeah. Stephen Graham is like really underrated, I feel. And there's another, there's another mm. actress in the film who is like the co-manager or whatever, like co-chef. She's really good. Uh, but yeah, let's check it out. That's on uh, Prime. Um, I also feel Stephen Graham is really underrated, especially in Venom, where there'd be carnage. Personally. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, his, his, his rage is amazing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I watched Bullet Train. and um, The film I that I it. asked, are you guys going to be watching in the next two weeks by any chance? And you said no. Yeah, and I remember that. Had, and z- you- had zero plans, <laughs> and had zero plans to it. see it. Yeah. Had zero plans to go see it, to be honest with you. Um, I do apologize. I actually forgot about that. But um, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, I liked it. It's enjoyable. I don't know. It didn't do like a ton for me, but um, it's sort of I don't know. It's fairly what pretty much what the trailer was. I guess like I don't know. Like I didn't, the trailer didn't do anything for me either though. So like I don't know. Like but I, I did like them better than that. So like I don't know. If I give the trailer like a four out of ten, I'd give the movie a you know I gave the movie a six. So it's like. Know. it's moment to moment it's fun there's a fair amount of funny stuff in there for sure um it's surprising like it, it keeps you engaged no doubt like it's it, i feel like i don't know for me personally if this were you know there's you know all these netflix films that come out and they like they tread number one on netflix for a couple of weeks and then they're never heard of from again mm. like if this was one of those <laughs> this would be the best netflix original film i've ever seen you know what i mean where like I, I would have been, I was engaged. I was, it was fun. I had some surprises, like uh, you know, some notable cast members that were fun to see. Like I was like, oh yeah, that's great, awesome, love it. Had a good time. Never going to think about it again. That sort of thing. Um, 
that's 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 how I felt about it. It's it's very well made. Um but uh I don't know, like, there are some things it does that I V line train. <laughs> that's gonna be hype, dude. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. That, probably a bit less exciting. Um, especially with some of the stuff that goes on in this film. But no, like like it is it is overall funny. It's just I don't know, like like it, it very much leans into certain stylings that it goes for like a sort of Tarantino-esque stuff at times and it's it's weirdly sort of feels like a combination of like like Tarantino John Wick and and Free Guy in in some respects as well with some of the humor but like sort of I don't know it never comes together in a way that like I I thought was super exciting i don't know but, but i appreciate it. it was it was good like i'd recommend watching it for sure um i don't think anyone would be disappointed by it and you know if you like brad pitt you get plenty of brad pitt so that's good as always now we hand the show over to you with our question of the show last week we asked you what is the best sci-fi aesthetic caleb comes in with his debut and says a blade runner which is a great answer, and I feel stupid. I didn't think of it. But yeah. Andy said, my favorite sci-fi aesthetic, probably The Matrix. I literally just edited and changed my answer to his comment. Um, but green, computer, cool science fiction shit. My original answer was Star Wars, but I realized The Matrix was a thing. Needed to support what Luke was saying first after all. Very good. And he says that because then Luke comes in and says, got to agree with Andy. Uh, and he's in reference to Star Wars. This whole thing's a mess. Uh, <laughs> the sound effects are just awesome and the space battles are great. This is going to be everyone's answer, he claims. <laughs> yeah. And then Andy went and retroactively changed to the Matrix. But I actually prefer Andy's answer because it's another one I feel stupid for not thinking of. And it's got a great aesthetic and it's not Star Wars. So I appreciate the answer. Very good. So some good some good answers there. Blade Runner and the Matrix. And uh, Star Wars is sort of a bit obvious. But, you know. You see, they're giving films of it. Yeah, that's what, yeah. that's what I was going to But also, I feel like, okay, so the question, like, what's your favourite sci-fi aesthetic? Um, doesn't lend itself, like, totally to one film. But also, like, if you're saying Star Wars, I feel like each three movies has a different aesthetic. Like, that's part of the reason why so many people have a difference of opinion of whether, like, the prequels or the originals. It's like, their aesthetics are totally different, you know. You see, like, if you I like, definitely disagree, but if you if you were to give like Star Wars like a broad kind of kind of sci fi genre, it'd be kind of hard sci fi space opera type thing. Um, sure. I mean, like, right, like, okay. Star, like Star Wars isn't the aesthetic; it's Star Wars is the movie, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, no, for sure. But this is the, this is what we talked about when we chose the question, Jane. Is that like? Yeah, yeah, like no, no one's gonna be able to name aesthetics. Like, oh, that's oh, right. what you're for, and I, I'm, I'm stoked for your answer. <laughs> but like, I, I feel like just listening to examples is, is you know, adequate. Like, that's all. I, that's all I can. Okay. Do. Okay. That's all I'm capable of doing. Mm. But Jane, w- what's your answer? And I'd love, please, give my me answer. some goddamn uh, labels to this shit. You know. Well, my answer kind of varies. Um, on screen, I'll eat anything up. Like, you put me in front of any sci-fi, I'll, I'll, I'll fucking chew it up and spit it out, and you know, eat it again. Um, but like, um. Something I really love is is in, in the written form is 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 kind of in in the printed form. In fact, not not, not written, also printed, um, because it extends into images as well. Um, is like this kind of post-war modernist kind of um, sci-fi, like this um, like it's it's kind of been ascribed as Adam Punk or Ray Punk now, um, but it kind of goes beyond. It, it, that's kind of then subcategorizing a subgenre already, um, but like um, in like in the works of Philip K. Dick. Um, like like his writing originally is very much what, what like Adam Punk is, is 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 what people call it now. Um, and I love it. It's so fantastic. Um, and like the, like this kind of nuclear family and this Cold War kind of kind of like confusion, like that kind of ideal, very much like the start of Fallout Four, like kind of you know like um yes yes like yes. like that kind of vibe. Um, but his work obviously later been appropriated into film and has been changed to cyberpunks and into kind of hard sci-fi that, that you kind of get in like a um, minority report and shit like that um which i'm not always fond of but you know it happens um but yeah it's like in the in the printed form love me some retro kind of you know kind of kind of post-war vibes on screen i'll eat up anything 
<laughs> you sci-fi whore. Nice. <laughs> uh, what about you, Fitzy? Well, okay, I think I'm looking at like some sci-fi films. Like, I think like I like like more. I think I, I don't know because I also like like more maximalist, maximalist stuff. But like I like indie sci-fi where it's not fully like sci-fi isn't fully integrated like coherence or like primer even where it's like it's mainly just like normal uh you know normal situations but there's some like uh there's some like really uh like really big concept or something and they kind of play with it very uh like less cgi i guess there's like the in primary coherence there's no like um there's no real effects or anything, but it's still really creepy in the area. It still feels very sci-fi, like that kind of aesthetic is. Would you say Gattaca? Is that? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, to, yeah. Yeah. But also, like, I was thinking of Gattaca. Also, like, like Gattaca is a perfect example of the kind of sci-fi aesthetic I enjoy because I also like like more lowly lit stuff. I guess, like, um, what would you say? Mitsolaris, like the 2002 film, that's a good example of that. Um, also, I was going to say, like, Terry Gilliam sci-fi is kind of like that. Like, it's like, there's no, there's not, there's a lack of special effects. It's more like practical stuff. Like, a lot of suits and stuff, a lot of weird shit, like, weird, uh, like, props and stuff. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's called soft sci-fi, kind of, what you've been describing. Kind of yeah, concept heavy, but so. not very into it. Like, not very kind of, yeah, shall we? Hmm. I'm going to completely fail at any names, uh, so I probably should have gone first. But, um, I mean, for me, it's, it's I mean, Star Wars is a da, but um, I don't, a bit, in saying that, like, I don't, I don't enjoy sci-fi. Like, I don't, I don't like Star Trek aesthetically. I don't like, um, I don't know, things like Battlestar and all that sort of shit. Like, I don't, like spaceships. I don't like sp- the look of spaceships and space stations really that much like i know it doesn't really do a lot for me i like it i like it in star wars because star wars is a fan is a space fantasy like i like fantasy shit you know what i mean i don't really like like these futuristic takes and stuff so i much prefer like grounded stuff in terms of like stuff on earth like like blade runner is great um but a recent example i thought of we were just talking about it earlier actually but um like I was trying to think of a more different answer, and if, like Arcane is awesome. Like I love that aesthetic. Oh, yeah. Would you steampunk. say like is that steampunk? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was going to guess. Have um, we all seen Arcane at this point? Mm-hmm. We'll see. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So that that was a that was a modern one that came to mind that I thought was a bit different and like totally stands out. I just love like stuff that's like you know, I don't know, not like grandiose like space opera ish, but like. Just I don't know, it's like a city, you know. It's, it, it feels like a parallel universe of some sort. Where Have you like, seen Mortal cl- Engines? Clearly, different technology and shit going on, but uh, um, you know, but it still feels like Earth in some way. No, I haven't seen Mortal Engines. No, yeah, I feel like it, it, that might be up my alley. Yeah, it does sci-fi well. I mean, like, yeah, and um, uh, steampunk well. Yeah. Okay, okay, but I don't know. Like, the, is it good? <laughs> I mean, it was better than what I was than not what, what I was going in for because like oh, okay. I just watched it on a whim because it was on TV. So um, and like oh, I, sure. I'd only ever heard bad things about it. So like, I mean, like it was, it was good. Okay, I, I'm not gonna lie. Like when I saw the premise, it was like the cities are on movable wheels. I was like, that's sort of dumb. Oh, it's pretty dumb, but yeah, it's it's alright. <laughs> okay, it, it looked pretty dumb. I think it, I saw the trailer. And it was like like London is. London is coming at us and it's like moving. I'm like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I need that to be honest. But uh cool. Okay. Very, very good. Wait, I can um, sort of yeah, see that. Yeah. But why not feel like like the prequels and the originals are like totally different aesthetics? Because I feel like the prequels are just like you know, they're very prop based and practical and then the prequels are obviously very, you know, CGI hand up kind of thing. Like I mean, very... there are different approaches to filmmaking, but I think their aesthetics. There's a, and there's definitely a, an evolution in the in the designs. Like that was intentional to sort of evolve the the designs of the ships and then the world to make it like, you know, a, a different era. But I think the I would call I, I still think the aesthetic is the same. Like yeah. it's it's the same, um, 
like everything feels like it belongs. Like I don't think they're opposed. Personally, I, don't know, I, I feel, feel like, like yeah, like it's total like minimalism versus like maximalism kind of. But like for the time, I guess Star Wars was pretty big. Like scale wise, I, 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 so, I don't know. I wouldn't call the original Star Wars minimalist. No. Hmm. It, it, I, I mean, I get like. I guess it's more industrial and less vibrant than the prequels, but that's, I think that's intentional. I mean, I'm not saying you're not saying it's intentional, but I just mean I, I think I still think it's, it fits under the same umbrella. Mm. Very interesting. <laughs> let us let us continue this conversation later. Uh, as always, we'd love you to submit your questions, thoughts, and reviews for next week's film in the YouTube comment section. Send us a DM on Instagram or join our Discord server. Uh, this week, the question we are asking you is, I'm having a flicker of doubt like we've asked this before, but I, I don't No, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so. What is the best movie with an Avenger in it? So what is the best film with an Avenger cast member? Yeah. Um, also, yeah. Pro- preferably don't say like an actual Avenger movie, you know? And, and, <laughs> and we've limited it to, to the original six yeah. as well. So like. You can't, you can't just pull, you know, someone from Lannis. Do, do you want to, like, yeah, definitively say that? Because I was sort of happy to leave it, and then when someone inevitably comes in with not an original six answer, we then blast them. Oh, I feel, I mean, uh, it's up to you. But then you're if we didn't, like, yeah, but if we didn't outline it, we can't really blast them, can we? Yeah. I mean, you're Actually, the editor. You can choose. Good point. Let's do it this way. We are outlining it must be the original six Avengers, right? Now... There's probably going to be someone who answers who hasn't listened to this explicit part of the episode. So they're going to do it, and then we can blast them. How about that? Set them up for failure. Yep. Sounds good. <laughs> love it. Love it. Okay. Very good. Yeah, and good point, Jan. No, you, you know, I mean, you can answer like a Marvel Studios film if you like also, but we're going to blast you as well. Just say so you no. Know. You've got Don't plenty of options. I mean, like, you shouldn't oh, yeah. choose them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, that's it for this week's episode of Cinema Effect. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Fizzy, why the hell did we ask that question? What are we doing next week? We're doing The Hurt Locker, which uh, smashed the poll. Nine to three. Nine versus three. Um, to reveal that. Don't reveal that. Oh, it, it was thousands of thousands of thousands yeah, of Yeah, yeah, nine, 90 versus 30 is what I meant to say. Um, but Still too low. <laughs> we're doing the oh, – I did I say it? Yeah, The Hurt Locker, which is on Stan. Jeremy Renner, that's why we're asking it, because Jeremy Renner is in it, and he was Arrow guy. Green Arrow. Walker. Yeah, Purple Arrow. Actually, yeah. I think Anthony Mack is in it as well. I mean, so like if we were to explain oh. it, yeah. yeah we Perfect yeah. question. No, yeah. yeah, very good, very good. Is this a Catherine Bigelow felt? It is. And she also did Zero Dark Thirty? Correct. In my, Yeah, it's so funny. Like in my, I didn't like make that connection, but in my head, like they, these... I guess I previously thought so just because of the subject matter, but like they sort of exist parallel in my brain, but there's another reason they connect as well. Perfect, perfect. All right, very good. Thanks, Liam and Jana, for joining me as always. We'll see everyone next week, and goodbye.